Hi, I'm Austin, host of Beyond Our Bubble. Nowadays, a lot of people are discussing political bubbles, where people only hear repetitions and variations of their own political views. So I figured, hey, I happen to have friends across the country on either side of the aisle. Why don't I just interview them so I can hear their perspective without interrupting or arguing? So that's what I did. I interviewed people from my world, just people you'd meet around town, and hear their views in Beyond Our Bubble. Hi, I'm Austin. I'm host of Beyond Our Bubble. And I'm Donna, joining Austin today. Great. Thanks so much, Donna, for being here. It's my pleasure. Um, maybe just to start things off, do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself, who you are? Yes. My name is, my full name is Shadonna, but people go, I usually go by Donna. Um, I am a New York City transplant. I moved here two years ago to Washington, D.C., to pursue my master's degree in public administration. That's where I met, you know, the lovely Austin. Where'd you live at in New York? I am from the Bronx. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, okay. So, uptown. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but my brother lives in Brooklyn. Yes. Just moved there. So. You did tell me that. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, I try to get that around so I have some New York, you know, Cred. authority. Cred. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, okay, so now we just talk about whatever for a little bit. So let's see, Donna, uh, I've been looking forward to asking this one and you happen to be the next one on the list. So um, T Swift's new single just came out when we record this podcast. Look what you made me do. Yes. What are your thoughts on the new single? Um, I've heard like snippets of it. Like honestly, I haven't heard the entire song. Have you not been in a Target or a taxi cab? I have been in a Target, and when it was coming on, luckily I was walking out. <laughs> oh, so you're not a T-Swift <laughs> fan at all. It's not that I'm not a T- I actually, I used to like her music. The the ones that she's been, you know, the singles she's been coming out with lately haven't been my favorite. I'm a huge fan of some of her older singles. Wait, so when you lived in New York City, you were a fan of country version Taylor Swift? Yes. They, really? There was a side of me. There is a soft side of me. How do you feel about Romeo and Juliet? That's that one was, of my I mean, that uh, I mean, that was uh, it. That's that what drew memorized. me in. Yeah. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I felt the magic. It was there. Yep. And I think that's kind of what hooked me on. Then I think there was like one of those E! Hollywood specials and just kind of talked about her story mm. at that time. And I was really, you know, taken with the fact that, you know, she... I don't know if it's current now, but she wrote, wrote a lot of her old songs and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, wow. And there were good songs. They were great songs. Yes, yes. They were great songs. Yeah, we're the same age. And I was just like, there's no way I can like. No, that's very like, intimidating. Yeah, yeah, I can't. If someone told me to write a song, I'm like, yeah, sorry. Can't, <laughs> can't do that. Um, okay, Donna, moving over to the politics side. When did you start getting interested in politics? Um... I would say me and alongside of a lot of, you know, maybe millennials really felt the need to get involved. I would say with like obviously President Obama's, mm. you know, you mm -hmm. know, 2008 election and the whole movement. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, you know, me being from New York, you know, you had entertainers and people like Puff Daddy getting involved and really involved you know you had jay-z you had people that weren't really put politically active you know changing kind of lanes and getting politically active and trying to get you know the younger people to become involved to be, get registered i think p diddy's um slogan was vote or die 
and it was very catchy. <laughs> I don't know if you heard it. And like he had t- he yeah. had T-shirts. I mean, it was a whole movement, and I think I got kind of swept up into that, and it was a huge deal. And you know, I was around like ni- 17, 18 at the time, just graduated from co- from high school, and was probably my first or second year in college. Still feeling the recession, you know, just coming off from like President Bush. So, I mean, people were ready for a change, and I think I kind of got swept up in that, and I've been yeah. in it ever since. It's been interesting. It's been a pretty con- consistent story for a lot of the people I've been interviewing. Is like that 2008 election was when a lot of people started getting involved. Or like, I mean, it kind of makes sense. We were around that age where, you right, know, you're legally, right. you know, able to vote. I think that's the first election I voted in. That's yeah. the first election I voted in. Yeah, right, right. So now times have changed a little bit. It's been a couple of years since then. What do you want to talk about on this show today? Um, so I know the topic is to, of today is race and political correctness. I mean, and those that topic, you can talk forever. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd like to kind of focus on that. There are a couple key items. I don't want to take anything away from you. Um, you know, everyone's familiar with what's happening in the NFL. Um, police brutality. I mean, you name it. Uh, so, Donna, before we jump into a lot of the questions I have for you in that kind of section, um, why is this an important topic to you? Like, why is this what you wanted to talk about on the show? Um, one, from obvious standpoint, I am a person of color. I'm an African-American young woman. Grew up, I was born in America. Uh, my family's first generation, you know, immigrant. So I, and alongside my brother and my cousins, were the first people that were born in the U.S. So we have very strong ties to you know Ghana which is where my mom is from and just kind of growing up you see American culture you see black culture you see and you you know you you go out and experience the world and you you witness these things firsthand maybe things that have happened to me things that have happened to friends things that are happening to people you turn on the news every day and it just really kind of opened my eyes and made me really think like okay what can I do to, you know, bring about awareness and bring about some form of change or be a part of some type of change for that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I wrote a lot of these questions before the NFL stuff even came up. So maybe just to get us off the bat, what are your thoughts on the whole NFL situation? Oh, my gosh. What are my thoughts? <laughs> I have. I feel like, yeah. I have, a lot, I, have, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I mean, what can I say? I'm going to be flat like flat out honest i kind of i'm i'm with kaepernick i think 110 percent. i get his message i get what he's trying to say i understand that people see that as you know i guess protesting america and being disrespectful to the flags and our military um my brother is um active military he served in iraq served five years so i do have family members that are in the military and i think what people aren't understanding is that you know he's not trying to disrespect the military in any way i believe i read in an article that he even consulted i think initially in 2016 when it was first when he first started this kind of movement he was actually sitting down for the national anthem and then once he consulted a former Army veteran who happened to be a football player, I believe his name was, I have it here, um, Nate Boyer, um, who was a retired um, Army veteran who 
which he consulted with, and he was the one who suggested that he actually kneel. Hmm. It's seen as less offensive. It's kind of more of a, you're not really taking a stand. You're just kneeling. That you're just, it's it's peaceful. It's because right. kneeling was seen as still like respecting the flag. Yes, without it's still respecting the flag. It's I didn't know it, that. yeah. It's like a sign of kind of like you're standing down, but it's not like disrespect. Like you don't agree, but I'm just gonna kneel to this. You okay. know. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so you support that because... I mean, because, I mean, the man has said it over and over again that this is in no way in direct disrespect to the military. It's about, you know, the national anthem and the lyrics and what it represents, fighting for equality. Uh, not everyone in America has the liberties that, you know, we preach, that we sing. And I think he's trying to bring awareness to that, even serving in the military as you know, an African-American or as a person of color, you're fighting for your country, and then when you come right back, you're dealing with things that you really shouldn't be having to deal with. You don't have the same rights as your, you know, your white counterparts and some of the things that you're dealing with, and then you go across seas and fight for your country. I mean, it's kind of like a slap in the face, and it's a little insulting, and I could just imagine how they're feeling. Um, so... Actually, we're going to try something a little different on the podcast today. So normally I just ask like, a couple different questions to kind of like hear out people's views. On this one, I'm going to be a little bit more uh, confrontational because I think that's uh, be interesting in the race podcast. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm game. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take on – there's going to be like four different arguments I'm going to bring up, um, and we're going to kind of go through these one at a time. And these arguments – might be a, a little bit controversial, but I think that it'd be interesting to hear your points of view. So I want to I want to ask him anyways. Sure. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on this felt mustache. Ooh. So I don't know if you noticed, but I'm so okay. How does this look? I got a felt mustache on that. It looks great. I almost didn't recognize you there. Hey, thank you. So uh, Donna can attest that I look super different now. Yeah. And now with this mustache, I'm no longer Austin, host of Beyond Our Bubble. Uh, now I'm going to play the part of uh, let's say Brian. Brian. Um, some dude that you're just meeting at a football game. Yeah, yeah, yep, so football game. All so, right, let's all right. do it. Some guy at a football game wants to talk about race because that's a super common occurrence. Because that's what you do when you're, when you're games. at a football game. Yeah, why not yeah. talk about race in America? Very <laughs> normal. Uh, so I, Brian, again, I'm going to bring up four different topics, and I want to hear how you respond. So here we go. Ready? All right. Topic number one. Uh, Donna, we've come a long way i'm definitely not a racist slavery was terrible jim crow laws were terrible and i'm totally would have supported mlk back in the day but like nowadays is there really that much racism i mean we don't have segregated buses uh and look at affirmative action and we've even had a black president so i might agree there are still some issues but like overall isn't the country a lot less racist than it used to be and why is this still like all over the news oh Hi, Bri Bri. I like to give people <laughs> nicknames, so Brian has now become Bri Bri. Uh, I like it. Yep. Um, and I think my response to that would be like, well, Brian, I really appreciate you asking me this question, but I think now um, racism, yes, is still very much alive, but I think what's different about it now is that it's more hidden. It's kind of closet racist and, you know, little kind of discreet ways of trying to, you know, I guess – show racism or not show racism but I guess 
be racist, everything from some of our policies and our legislation and how they're drafted, how they're implemented. I mean, all that in and of itself screams, you know, very racist and very, I guess, preferential to certain individuals as opposed and detrimental to others. Can you give us an, like, an example? Absolutely. Um, case in point, our criminal justice system and our war on drugs. Um, this is something that's been going on and people have, you know, many opinions about it, but African-Americans is something that's just pretty much undisputed. Um, African-Americans are, and Latinos are the highest people incarcerated within our, in America, in our country at a very disproportionate rate. And in terms of like the war on drugs and the war on crime, I mean, African-Americans and Latinos are sentenced way harsher than, you know, their white counterparts on very similar offense, drug offenses. Even the government's, I guess, way on, you know, attacking or going after one drug, specifically crack versus cocaine. There was a crack versus, there was a crack cocaine kind of law that went into place to, you know, deal with the crack cocaine epidemic and, you know, even studies have shown that white people and black people use drugs at a fairly similar way or rate. But I mean, African Americans and Latinos are, I mean, prosecuted and jailed and sentenced far harsher than, as I mentioned before, their white counterparts. And it is the math isn't adding up. It doesn't make sense as to why you know they're policing certain communities as opposed to others. Why are they stricter on crack than they are cocaine? I mean, you can kind of do the research on that yourself and you'll see that you know the numbers don't lie. I mean, people lie. I mean, but numbers don't lie. Mm -hmm. And these are very reputable sources that you can you know go and look up and you know you'll f and cross check and cross reference. I like to do that myself. And I mean, the answers are right there. Perfect, yeah. Okay, so topic number two, let's talk about the police. This was brought up a little bit before. Okay, so as Brian again, uh, so not all police are superhuman. I get that. And there are definitely some bad apples, and they should be reprimanded. But as a whole, not a police are trying to keep us safe. They're protecting our communities, and without them, there would be, there would be chaos. They create order. Shouldn't we be supporting them? They're here to protect us. Often in these race in America conversations, I feel like people are cornered. They either have to be anti-police or they're labeled as racists. And I feel like it's almost politically incorrect to even show support for the police. Saying blue lives matter is definitely considered politically incorrect. How can it be inappropriate for me to say I support the police? Oh, bri bri. <laughs> That's another good question. Um, and what I would say is I... I agree with you to a certain aspect. Yes, the police, I have the utmost respect for the police, but they're not superhuman. You're correct. They're not. They're humans just like me and you, and they have flaws. These people are humans. They go out there, and to say that they perform at 100% and they follow the rules 100%, that they don't aren't faced with situations where they're scared and they might overreact or they're coming in with some type of bias that is showing up and reflecting the way they deal with different citizens and you know to say that that's not happening i think that's false so i agree with you 100 percent that they are not superhuman they are humans just like us and with humans you have to understand that they make mistakes so i think the argument isn't one or the other it's not that you have to be anti-police or black lives matter or blue lives matter i agree they're human and their lives matter and they're doing a very dangerous job 
but there is video footage that's been shown and based on the information that we are, are as sorry as viewers are seeing i'm not seeing how one plus one is equaling two or in my defense this interaction equals death like i'm not understanding why they, this situation or that situation couldn't have been resolved without the person being fatally shot and then that comes with you start you have to ask these questions as a citizen as someone who is rational who's thinking and trying to analyze the situation because what you're seeing on video and what you realize has happened doesn't make sense and you're like okay this looks like a routine traffic stop so for instance sandra bland i think she was stopped because she had a busted taillight then she ends up arrested then she ends up dead and you're like wait hold up walk me through this how does someone no prior criminal records no reason foreseeable no foreseeable reason for this person to inflict harm on themselves or like kill themselves which is what i guess the coroner had um deemed a suicide um you're watching the video and there's i mean that we can talk about that all day you see the video and there i mean one it was evident that the video had been doctored and there were people who mentioned that the police the the department did take a while to hand over the tape and it had been i mean sloppily doctored but even with what was shown routine traffic stop a busted taillight or the taillight wasn't where i'm not sure exactly what happened there is an altercation or there is a verbal altercation between you know the officer and you know miss bland she's arrested and then she's turning up dead and you're just like something happened there or with you know mike brown or you know i mean i can lame all of them but it's like you're seeing these videos and you're just like, I don't understand how this situation couldn't have been de-escalated. And then you think, well, people are like, well, it may not have been racism. Well, if it's not racism, what is it? People aren't, is it the training? Are these people have sensitivity training, um, conflict management? I mean, what's happening that these unarmed citizens are getting gunned down and it just doesn't seem to make sense? So it's more of like, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, like one bad apple can spoil the entire tree. So there are good officers every day that I truly believe go out with the best intentions to protect and serve the citizens of the of United States of America, to protect and serve their communities. And I think there's some bad apples there that, you know, may have ulterior plans or may not be properly trained or may be going into the streets with some biases. And when these biases or, I guess, lack of training leads to people dying, innocent people dying, I mean, you got to stop and ask questions. If you are in a doctor's office and you have a doctor in a hospital that, you know, he's performing procedures and it's very clearly evident that some of the procedures that he's using or some of the methods he's using have been banned by the, you know, the doctor's association, just like in one of the cases in New York, um, I'm blanking on the man's name who was choked to death over the cigarettes. I mean, the coroner and the medical examiner ruled that the man died of asphyxiation. He was choked to death, and you see it in the video. And then you go to the NYPD books, and you're like, yeah, the chokehold was banned 20 years ago, and this person is a pretty senior officer, so he should have known that. And then you're just like, okay, that's like going to the doctor's office. You perform a routine, and you find out the doctor used a method that's been banned by the, you know, doctor's association. 
you're entitled to some type of grievance. You're going to sue. You want to see that doctor be, you know, reprimanded for his actions, and you would assume that he would know better. In these situations, the police, you're like, yeah, it was banned, but, and that was the cause of his, the, this gentleman's death, but, yeah, we're not doing anything about it. We don't see anything wrong. How can you tell people that? It's not saying that African-Americans don't want police in their, in their communities. We do. There are bad people that need to be arrested, that need to be removed from the community. But so, some of these people that have been gunned down weren't the bad guys. I mean, these are fathers. These are people. He was selling cigarettes on the street. This person was stopped for a busted taillight. This person was alleged to have stole something from the grocery store or just stopped at a routine traffic stop. These aren't people who are a menace to society, who are doing something, who were in possession of some um, firearm or some type of, of weapon. These people were all deemed unarmed. And if you're telling me that in this situation there was no way that these officers could have acted to de-escalate the situation or have a different outcome, I mean, I don't think you're really being honest with yourself or just honest in general. But like I said, I'm open to interpretation. I'm open to comments. I'm open to feedback. But, I mean, no, in no other profession can you be unaccountable and it be okay. So I don't see why police officers should get a pass. That's yeah. my take on that. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. We're just going to keep on rolling. <laughs> um, all right. Topic number three. Okay, again, racism, super bad. But a lot of these racial issues have produced riots. Look at the riots in Baltimore, the riots at Trump's inauguration. Black Lives Matter events so often just create disorder. They're, they're blocking highways, they're, they're starting riots, um, or they're just not filing out permits effectively and appropriately. I'm all for free speech and anti-racism, but most of this stuff is just straight up illegal, and so can't stand with it. You got to think about the reason behind it. Not that I'm saying that any type of rioting is it okay. It is disruptive to communities, I, I agree. But you have to understand the message behind it. You have to look past the actual rioting and see what are these people protesting about? What are they rioting for? What, what are, why are they taking the streets to demand some type of action or try to voice what type of opinion or some story, you have to ask what's going on. And with Black Lives Matter, I mean, the founders have said time and time again, they are a peaceful protesting group. Any affiliates or people who affiliate themselves with Black Lives Matter, you can't control everyone. There are people who go out into the streets and do crazy things. They promote violence and claim that they're with Black Lives Matter. I mean, time and time again, the founders have said, People who do that are not a part of our organization, a part of our group, a part of our movement. So you can't kind of say, oh, well, that group right there, someone yelled Black Lives Matter, so I'm assuming they're with that group. And just because that one group or that one incident or two incidents resulted in, you know, some violence or some, some, some rioting, that means the entire movement as a whole it, you know, is about, you know, violence on, you know, police and on police lives and, you know, just out there to create chaos. I mean, Black Lives Matter was, you know, kind of created to bring a voice and kind of say, you know, exactly in its title, Black Lives Matter. Like, you're seeing people get gunned down by police as if they're nothing, that their lives don't matter, that these people didn't deserve some type of, you know, decency, respect, patience, I mean, whatever the situation calls. And I think that's what we're trying to say, that black lives matter. Like, we're not, 
you know, animals, you can't just shoot down the street and no accountability be held and the group, the community won't say anything about it. People won't be upset and want answers. Um, that's pretty much what we're saying. We're not saying other lives don't matter. Um, um, kind of the example is, you know, we have different kinds of cancer and every month we have activities designated for certain types of cancers. I know right now it's breast cancer awareness. You don't see people at breast cancer awareness yelling, colon cancer matters too. We understand that. I think it's a collective understanding amongst the people that all these cancers matter. But in this particular time, this is the time that has been dedicated that people are using to talk about the deadly effects and the harms and how to, you know, fight against breast cancer. Same thing with Black Lives Matter. We understand that all lives matter. White lives, brown lives, Asian lives, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a collective understanding. We're just saying that in the recent events and what we're seeing on the news, it doesn't look like Black Lives Matter. So we want to bring that to the attention of the media, to the public, that black lives do matter. And there needs to be accountability held when citizens are gunned down for no reason or the reasons aren't justified. And that's pretty much what the movement means to me. And I hope I answered your question, Brian. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, all right, last question. Um, okay, how about Confederate statues? I hear a lot of this after Charlottesville. People are now all up in arms about Confederate statues, but A, you can't wipe away history. B, Robert E. Lee was a great general. Like, he was just, like, a statistically a good general, and he wasn't a super advocate of our slavery or anything. He was just, the, the reason he fought for the Confederates was he was really loyal to the South. And then C, it's it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, it's expensive to take down these statues. Uh, it's expensive to change the name of schools. It's just like it's it's expensive. It's not that big of a deal. They're not are they really causing any harm? It seems like the fight to take them down is just fueling racial divides rather than bringing people together, all in hopes of just being politically correct. All right. So, I was fortunate enough to take a couple notes so I just want to make sure I touch up on every point Brian once again that's a great question um a you can't wipe away history you're correct you can't wipe away history but that doesn't mean that the people who are affected most negatively affected by history needs to be repeatedly reminded every day by these statues that are up in these public very public places I mean come on you can't wipe away history but doesn't mean you have to like dwell in it in a sense of like I guess celebrate it's almost like celebratory it was a very dark time in our history. Same with, same with slavery. You can't say Robert Lee General was a great general. And then also, he's known for being a Confederate soldier. And what were they fighting about? The Confederacy was about the ending of slavery, and people were trying to secede. It was so important to them that they did not want to end slavery because they, they relied on it so much. It was going to cripple their economy that they were willing to secede from the Union about it. This is not Southern pride, honey. This is slavery and the ability and wanting to keep it alive and well because they depended on it. There's, there's, a, there's a huge difference. So I think that they should be removed from public spaces. They should be kept where most... Um, history artifacts are kept in museums and you can go and you can look at them and you can reflect back on where we were as a country and just help the healing and move forward and progressing into a more united states of America. So, I mean, that's, I hope I touched on everything, Brian. Yeah, Donna, way to go. I, I realized that was a lot of tough questions yeah. all right in a row. <laughs> I didn't give you much of a break in between, but yeah. I think you did great in answering all those. Uh, so I'm taking off the mustache now. All right. 
Uh, I, I like the mustache. Yeah, well, maybe I'll grow it back someday. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just Austin, host of Beyond Our Bubble. Um, and okay, so I have one more question for you. So let's say the president came to you today, Donna, and said, Donna, my pal, because I'm sure I mean, the president considers you a pal. Um, <laughs> race relations are a mess in this country. How do we address them? Help me out, Donna. What, what would you say? What's the answer? I'd be floored if the president came <laughs> what? to talk really? to me. Um, once I collect myself from the floor, I would <laughs> <laughs> say, you know, it's all about, you know, talking about race is very uncomfortable. Even as I sit here today, I'm just like, I hope I didn't come off too strong. I hope I wasn't more emotional as opposed to being based on facts, um, indisputable facts. But I feel like one of the things about race is that it's an emotional thing and people are scared to talk about it. You know, people are scared of like what it's going to make them look like, feeling attacked, um, feeling judged, feeling labeled. And I think one of the things that we really need to do is we need to really address it head on and start talking about it. Even if it makes us uncomfortable, we really need to get ahead of that game and just deal with it, rip the Band-Aid off and just talk about it, what's happening in this country. Be honest. And even if you don't see it the way someone else is seeing it, have that open mind. So just because I've never experienced some of the hardships and the obstacles that you faced as, you know, an African-American or as a person of color or as, you know, X, Y, Z, doesn't mean that, you know, those issues aren't there and that you aren't truly dealing with something that's, you know, difficult and uncomfortable for you. You have to understand where people are coming from. To them, it's, I mean, it's their life. It's what they deal with every single day. To really get the ball rolling on this, I think everyone just needs to come to the table and just be open to hearing each other's side and just really trying to see where the other person's coming from. And even at the end of the day, if we don't all agree, I mean, just come to a middle ground. I think that's going to be really important. Well, Donna, thanks so much for being on the episode. It was great chatting with you. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, very nervous, but I hope this turned out really well. And yeah. Um, Hope to chat with you again soon. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, and thank you all for listening to Beyond Our Bubble. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to rate and review us on iTunes. Um, and we could always use more people talking about this stuff. There are a lot of different perspectives um, from everything about race to political correctness or Taylor Swift's new single. Uh, if you want to talk about this on the show, feel free to email this at beyondthebubblepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I, I know that the email is beyond the bubble podcast and the show is called beyond our bubble but this is my first time doing a podcast so give me a break uh also i'm on twitter at uh at Vol podcast so thank you all so much for listening and see you next week